This is Southern New Hampshire's home for the Boston Red Sox on ESPN New Hampshire Radio, WGAM Manchester, WGHM Nashua. Welcome to another edition of Stretcher on Jimmy Murphy here, your host, live from the ESPN New Hampshire studios in Nashua. Justin Sullivan working the boards, doing a great job as always. So, you know what happened 53 years ago today? JFK. That's right. It's a, it's a big deal in, in my household. We talk about it all the time. My dad was, a, was you know, very, we're very big on that. We've seen everything. We've gone to the library and all of it. You know, it's very... Very somber, but big day in our in our house. We talk about it all the time. Yeah, and uh, that was Pearl Jam coming in, Brain of Jay, and it's about who would have the brain of JFK in today. Yeah, and man, are we screwed? <laughs> yes, it's a, it's a nice way of segueing to we are screwed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I can't see anyone in politics right now that uh, no, not even close. Yeah, that comes close to that, you know, but. Uh, Obviously, for many people, a moment frozen in time for all the wrong reasons. And uh, I, I think of our lifetime, even though we're split by a couple generations, we uh, would say it's 9-11. Yeah. Maybe the marathon bombing's more, yeah. more closer to home. More close to home, yeah. For you. Yep. But, uh, yeah, 53 years ago today, JFK uh, passed. And, uh, of course, a Boston native as well. Um it's always weird. My dad and I used to have conversations like that. We'll get into the show in a sec. Uh, he, too, had a connection to him. JFK uh, was actually a friend of my grandfather. Now, my grandfather worked on his campaign. Really? Yep, on my dad's side. And when my dad, I mean, when my granddad passed, uh, some of JFK's relatives, including Ted Kennedy, 
uh, were at his bedside. Hmm. So it's a pretty cool uh, connection there. Close connection, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, but yeah, you know, I saw all the stuff on Twitter today, and you, you can't forget what today is. And yeah. I was trying to think of some songs that uh, are related to that, and I had totally forgotten the song that Pearl Jam uh, wrote a few years back. Yeah. And uh, if you go and read the lyrics to that song, it's, I, I don't know, it's, it seems very uh, poetic or very applicable to the state we're in right now and like we said you and i don't like to talk politics much in this show but yep. uh it, there's some times where you got to touch it yeah yeah you touch and it, quickly, it seems you know? very well i mean it almost goes into saying that that we don't want to talk politics yeah on this show it's that there's just so much i i don't know what the word would be uh other than a word i can't really say in this network let's say let's yeah. go with the old irish term uh, malarkey yeah uh, out there that, you know, and it's intertwining into the sports world and, and sports is politics and politics is sports. Yeah. And it's just all one thing. And Donald Trump, a reality TV guy, is our president. It's just. It's a mess. <laughs> it's a mess. Yeah. That's and, a, you know, the best I, way to put I, it. I think the one thing that people always say to themselves, especially those who were alive when JFK was assassinated, is what if? Yeah. What if it never happened? What, what if he had lived? Would there have still been racism today? Segregation? War? Yeah. You know, just terrorism, all, all that stuff. I mean, and it's true. He had that much of an impact, and, yeah. and people really saw that much potential in him to change the world. Charisma is the word I think of. Yeah, well yeah, he had plenty of charisma, but I mean his vision and and yeah. I think furthermore his brother had more of it. And I I I always ask what if what if Bobby Kennedy hadn't been assassinated? Yeah. I think he could have really changed things. So but you know, 53 years ago today, uh obviously a, a tough day in our nation's and the world's history. So uh rest in peace JFK. Uh but we've got a uh, a good show in store. Lots of hockey. Uh, as we will be followed, we will stay here. We will be followed. We yeah. we are the act. Uh, <laughs> we're not moving. Yeah, I don't, I don't move from this chair. Yeah, come so on. So we're in this. Uh, we're in these seats for the next four hours. Uh, usually three to six, the stretch run, and then we go into national radio. We hear our man Bumani Jones. Yes, but we won't be hearing him today because uh, we have a Bruins pregame show today. Uh, we don't do every game, but we do do some every so often. And today we will tee up the Bruins and Blues. So I urge you. To stay in tune here to ESPN New Hampshire from 6 to 7 as I bring you the Bruins pregame show. Uh, and we've got uh, two great guests on for that. Andy Strickland of Fox Sports Midwest will be joining us. He also does work for CBS Radio uh, out in St. Louis. He's covered the Blues for a long, long time. Him and I have been in the business. I think he's been in a little longer than me, but I've known him for a while. He does a great job, great insight on the Blues. So we'll have him on to bring the Blues perspective. And then we'll be joined by our own Sean Hutchin. Both gentlemen will be uh, calling in from uh, TD Garden as they get ready for the game. And, of course, Sean will give us the Bruins perspective. So looking forward to that. But before that, we've got a jam-packed show in store for you. As we do every Tuesday at around 3.20, we will talk to our man, Coach Dick Umilly of the UNH Wildcats hockey team. Uh, we'll recap the weekend that was for UNH and look ahead to what they have on their schedule. Uh, we'll then continue the college hockey theme with Bob Snow, who joins us every Tuesday at around 3.40, 3.45, and talk some more college hockey. We'll continue our discussion we had last week uh, regarding uh, the use of face masks in college hockey versus no masks or half shields in pro and in juniors, and the impact it has on um, the NHL with the influx of college hockey players coming into the into the league. Uh, we had a pretty interesting conversation. We were unable to finish because we ran short on time, so we'll continue that today. We'll then switch gears in the second hour. We'll talk to our man Phil A. Perry of Comcast Sportsnet New England, talk some Patriots with him. Patriots putting behind that uh, win in San Francisco. Moving on now to, I don't know if we still call him a rival or not. We had this discussion uh, a couple times, I think, over the last few months, but I mean, are the New York Jets still a rival? I mean, they can't really find a quarterback. So until they find a quarterback, I can't exactly put them in you know rival territory. They can't, they're they're terrible. They're they're terrible. There's, yeah. I mean, today uh, the butt fumble that happened. 
that's I think that was either yesterday yeah. or today. That's five a, years ago. Yeah, four yeah. years of the butt fumble. So yeah. they, I don't I don't consider them a rival just because I don't consider them competition. Like I feel like this is another one of those. You walk in there, yeah, they got. Well, a then pretty... couldn't the Canadians have said that to the Bruins for like twenty seven years? Yeah, they could have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I think there's a there's a whole another level of animosity with the, you know, the Bruins and the Canadians. I don't know. I just don't I don't consider the Jets a threat. So I don't think of it that way. You know, I don't. I I guess I don't. They see have them. been a threat in terms of uh, fines and suspensions and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, basically, Spygate. Yes. Led to Deflategate. Yes. And I mean, a, let, let's not a, kid ourselves. And had an effect it, it, on it, it too. Yeah. There's a connection there, and you know, one thing leads to another, and there's definitely a ripple effect down, and it was coming o- on the field. I don't. They see started that, the. You know? They started the NFL's campaign yeah, against campaign. the Patriots. And not letting them be the superior team that they are to the rest of the league, they yet started they that. Yet they some, started that. Yet somehow Tom Brady's still doing what he does. So know? for that reason, screw them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're rivals. I hate them. J E T S sucks, sucks, sucks. Yes, that's what we will say all week on this show, <laughs> and they and they literally do. Yeah, that's that's my um, point. Is they, so they're not really a competition. We anymore, will talk to know? Phil about how the Patriots can avoid any traps or you know mishaps and not overlook this team right now you know they're so bad that nbc flexed the game back to 425 (laughs) when it was originally supposed to be the sunday night football game uh i wonder if they're rethinking that though considering the chiefs choked to tampa bay at home Mm. last week um but i think the afc west is so much more competitive right now than the afc east so they want that on sunday night football but we will talk to uh phil a perry about that we'll also get his take on uh alan branch being suspended for four games Uh, i have a little a little song dedicated <laughs> to Alan Branch when we come in uh, at the top of the second hour. You and me are going to uh, kind of go back and forth. We'll look at our NFL picks, and uh, we both had the Texans covering, which they did. Yeah. And they win. Yeah. I want to go over that in the yeah. uh, second segment of the uh, second hour. I mean, I don't care what anyone's – DeAndre Hopkins is not out of bounds there. That should yeah. be reviewable. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean – Agreed. I haven't seen anything that says otherwise. Yeah. There's one that's going around where they try to say his heel touched out of bounds, but how can his heel touch anything when the guy's tiptoeing down the sideline? Yeah, if, yeah, if he's on his tiptoes, there's no way. Yeah, that, that, that doesn't make any sense. So even if his heel was if hanging it, out, yes, the camera it has to touch, problem. right? Yes. It might not. Yeah, no, that would, that would make sense. The, okay. That, physics would make sense on that. that so would, That would make a lot of sense. Well, I mean. I think of it, you can go to the end zone, right? You're going in for a touchdown, and if you yeah. break the plane with the ball in the air, yeah, it's, touchdown. And it's a touchdown. Period. So my question, and I, you know, forgive me for my ignorance on this rule, but I mean, and we'll have to look it up, mate. Is it the same premise for a guy being out of bounds? Does his, does his heel have to touch? Or does the or, or is it just, just, is just in the, the air? I think his heel has to touch. From I think I, it has to touch. From because, what I know, yeah. Well, because, I mean, let's face it, if you're if you're – if you're catching the ball in the end zone, right? Yeah. And you're trying, we're trying to determine if they go out of bounds. They're saying both feet have to touch inbounds yes. before the player goes out of bounds. Yeah. Well, then it should be the same premise when you're going down the sideline. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Then he's in bounds, and that's a touchdown, and that's a tie game. But the problem is, once they call him out of bounds, how do you? How do you reverse a call? Because it's all subjective, right? Yes. I mean, you don't know. Like, was a guy going to catch him or not? Yeah. Even though a guy didn't catch him, but I, I mean, the NFL just finds way after way it's, it's, to screw things up. It's all it goes back to the catch thing. Like, what's a catch anymore? Does anyone know what a catch is anymore? Like, there's a whole debate on the yeah. rules thing. Like, figure it out. Like, this shouldn't be that hard. Do we have out. that play at all? No, but I can find it. All right, we'll we'll get to that in the second segment of the uh, second hour because I, I I think that I mean, it's, it, it, ESPN's giving enough play here. I agree with them. I don't usually agree with ESPN, but I mean, I, I've been hearing it all day. People talk. That's the game. That I mean, yeah. it, it affected the outcome directly yes. of the game. All right, and and we were right. <laughs> Oakland may have won, but they were flat. Yeah. Oh yeah, they were very flat. All right, the buy jinx is still in effect. The stretch run buy jinx is still in effect, <laughs> despite the Oakland Raiders winning. I came back from the gym at halftime. I said, "Yep, it's going to happen." Here we go. Unreal. Thirteen, thirteen. We got a shot here. Um, but yeah, we'll go over that. We'll. Uh, I also want to talk about what's going on in hockey. I woke up this morning. <laughs> And I started listening to uh, my friends up on TSN 690 in uh, Montreal. And a former co-host of mine, uh, friend uh, Connor McKenna, 
who he's probably former co-host because we never really agreed on anything. Um, <laughs> and I don't agree with him on this. He's, he's saying that the NHL needs to start getting less physical and reviewing hits more and, and that things are crossing the line too much. Now, look, I'm all for player safety, but it's getting a little absurd right now. And I don't know for those who uh, saw the highlights of it. We'll play it later. Uh, the Lightning and Predators uh, played down in Nashville last night. And uh, JT Brown's coming around the corner, one side of the net. And Roman Yossi's coming around the other side, the defenseman for Nashville. JT Brown's a forward. Not a big dude, JT yeah. Brown. Neither guy's really big. And Yossi, of course, head down, not looking. Comes in. Brown lays him out, shoulder to shoulder, clean hit. And everybody's up in arms. Yeah, of course. Because Yossi had to leave and he was hurt. Now, if you watch the replay... He's hurt because as a result of the hit, he went flying back into the boards and slammed his head on the boards. That's unfortunate. I don't want to see that happen. But I, I don't want to see happen is that hits like that get taken out of the game. It's it a clean, clean hit. And one of the things, one of the greatest things about hockey is that physical aspect, is that cutting edge that, you know, I, I've told you, I think you put the red line back in, slow it down a bit, you take care of the equipment, you reduce the size of the equipment, and you're going to have a lot less injuries. But we are not taking hitting out. Yeah. And Connor was trying to say that maybe there needs to be a serious talk about taking hitting out of the game of hockey. Yeah, I did completely disagree. That That's what hockey is. What are we going to do next? We're going to figure skating? It's going to be ice capades? Yeah. Yes, exactly. I mean, what's going on with this US world? figure skating, yes. And this, is, this goes back to what I opened up with. That this PC political stuff it trickles into sports. It, this... It Let was things be. It was be. a clean hit. It was a clean hit, and you know, and Brown and they we went. We can't after say him, posse. You know? We can't hit in hockey. <laughs> What's next? What is next? All right. So uh, we'll have some open segments in the second hour, and we'll open up the phone lines if you want to tell me that uh, I'm too uh, archaic, or if you want to agree with me. Um, but in the third hour, we'll get all into hockey again, and we'll talk about uh, the Manchester Monarchs with head coach Rich Seely as he joins us at five oh five every Tuesday. We'll see how mullet night went. I'm going to put my mullet back on. Yeah. They, on. Uh, they swept the uh, Reading Royals in that Wednesday, then Friday, Saturday series there here in Manchester. They swept them. So uh, the Monarchs finally getting some uh, nice home cooking and getting the wins on home ice. Uh, as we all know, they're road warriors, but they're, they're starting to get wins on home ice. So that's good for the Monarchs. Uh, and then we will segue into the Bruins pregame show here on ESPN New Hampshire as we welcome on Ty Anderson of WEEI.com to discuss uh, the red-hot Boston Bruins. Tough game tonight, though, as uh, David Bax taking on his former team, the only other team he knew. Ten years he spent with the St. Louis Blues, the last five as the captain of the Blues. Uh, so we'll talk to Ty about that as well. Uh, so, yeah, we've got a good show in store as we uh, wind down this short week. Tomorrow's our last day on air for the, uh, for the week, and, of course, we will be off early as well at 5.30 as uh, the lads come in and get you ready for the Turkey Bowl between Nashua North and South that yes. you were uh, just recording some, some sound bites for. Yes, getting ready, getting prepared for it. All right. The classic clash, Titans, Panthers. I mean, I bleed purple. I mean, it's, sorry, I do. I, I'm a little biased, but it's going to be good. It's what were your colors? Uh, purple. 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 Purple and white. Purple, purple Panthers. and white. Yep. You're the Purple Panthers. Purple Panthers, yes. Okay. And what's the other team's name? The uh, Titans. The Titans. Remember yes. the Titans. Okay. Yes. The Purple Panthers and the Titans. I bleed purple. I'm sorry. I'm a little biased. Just okay. <laughs> You're alum. I bleed UMass. Of course. You know? UNH uh, took care of your boys, by the way, this weekend. Well, yeah, kind of have, expected that. You're going to have to talk to Coach about that. Yeah. One. It was close for a little bit. And yeah, then, uh, a little bit. And then they took over. Well, we will talk to Coach Humilian in the next segment. So, stay with us here. The Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire. We'll be back. A criminal on the tape And most of all I dreamed I forgot The day John Kennedy died
Bear tried to slow him down. Unsuccessful. Kelleher center. Salvaggio shoots and he scores! Salvaggio with a pellet. Cleveland for the point. Cleveland shot. That sails high. Rebound in front. Salvaggio scores! Great pass to Hill. Backhand shot. Score! Jamie Hill, the senior. His first of the year. Another point for Kelleher. It's 6-2. Dawson who controls. And he'll walk it into his own end. The Wildcats sending the fans home happy. They skate by UMass in convincing fashion. The final score tonight, UNH 6 and UMass 2. Welcome back to the Stretch Run here on ESPN New Hampshire. I am your host, Jimmy Murphy. Justin Sullivan working the boards. and Well, we have uh, UNH Wildcats hockey coach Dick Umilion every week. And I'm happy they won. I just wish it wasn't so tough on my minute, men. But uh, we'll talk to uh, Coach Humilly right now. Uh, Coach, uh, a, a big win there. Nice Hockey East win as well uh, for your Wildcats. Uh, I got to say, though, man, my, my minute, men, they got some work to do. They really do. I'll, I'll tell you what. The score was not indicative of the game. Okay, uh, few, So they're, few. they're making progress. I can tell you that. Uh, Greg Carvels, the, the new head coach there, he's doing a terrific job. Uh, they played pretty well in the third period. We had a 6-2 lead. We weren't playing great, and they kept – they never quit. And um, They're getting better. They're going to win some hockey games, no doubt. But it was a it was a good game for us, and obviously Tyler Callagher had a, a big night. Yeah, he did. And what what is he doing in your eyes right now, if you could pinpoint one aspect of the game that's really helping him excel, what would it be? Well, it's his, his stick handling, and he's very, very clever with the puck, and he can make a lot of plays and – uh, you know, he scored one goal, which was a return pass from McNicholas, who he set up earlier on the power play. Uh, but he finds people. He made a great place for Jamie Hill, who scored his first goal. Uh, he's just a real good puck handler. He sees the ice extremely well, uh, and he can distribute the puck. And it, when you have a play like that, um, what do you notice or what do you have the other line mates do? What do you you hope and expect them to do? in terms of being in the right place and knowing where he's going to go? Well, that's exactly it. Then you'll be in the right spot. Make sure you get yourself open. Uh, work hard to get yourself open because he'll get you the puck. And uh, obviously we want them to do that in the key scoring areas, especially when we get it into the offensive zone. Uh, he, he'll, he will find you. Just put yourself, work hard, get the stick there, and, uh, and be ready because he's going to give you the puck. And uh, Patrick Grasso, uh, goal and assist as well. He continues to have a, a great season right now. Uh, what do you like about his game at this state? Well, everything about it right now. Uh, he, he can do it all. He's quick. Uh, like we've talked before, he's not the, the biggest guy, but he's, he's quick. He's fast. He can shoot the puck. He scored his goal off the faceoff. Uh, Blackburn got it to him on the faceoff, and bang, he, he just roofed it in the upper corner, and uh, it was a great shot, a quick release, and uh, he can do that. Coach, when we first uh, started talking and doing this segment at the beginning of the season, as you were preparing to embark on the season, uh, you obviously discussed the youth, and you, it's, it's an unknown commodity of the team. You don't know what you'd get out of them. You're just hoping for the best. Now you're, you're deep into the season. You're, you're seeing what some of these young kids can do. Uh, what's impressed you the most, maybe not just in games, but also in practice, uh, about the young core of this team? Uh, they understand the game. I mean, they, they, you know, they're picking it up quick. Uh, it's always uh, the challenge for younger players at, uh, at any level, whether you go from college to the pros, uh, from uh, juniors to uh, Division I college hockey. It's uh, understanding how to play defensively off the puck. Um, the freshman line, along with Anthony Wise, who's a uh, freshman defenseman, they, they, they're doing very, very well playing defensively. We're able to put our freshman line out against uh, top lines because yeah. we're comfortable with how they play defensively in their own end, whether it's a face-off, uh, end of the game. So uh, they picked it up very quickly. Uh, and they, the compete level is uh, very good. Is that something you notice overall about kids coming in as freshmen? That you mentioned the knowledge of the game there. Have you noticed a trend there where uh, younger kids now are really starting to know the game better and, and understand it and study it? Well, yeah, yeah they are. The, the coaching is much better, Jimmy, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, there's, there's video, there's, uh, uh, the coaching has improved. 
guys at our level that come and play with us uh, their freshman year have played juniors for either a year or two. Mm-hmm. A lot of them in the, what we call the USHL. It's a very good – Oh yeah. in the Eastern Junior League, it's mm-hmm. a, a very good uh, league. So they get a year or two of playing 60 games at, at the junior level. Um you know, and and they pick it up fast, and uh, by the time they get to us, they they got a pretty good understanding of it. Well, that must make it great for you. And uh, you look ahead to this coming week. Uh, you get RPI, and, and then you're gonna have a break. Only one game this weekend. And uh, talk to us about RPI. Have you have you been able to check out what they've been doing yet? Yeah, we you know we get video, so we exchange video. So they're they're a big strong team. They always have been. Uh, we play them every year. We just alternate uh, home and away with them. Every other year, so it's uh, they're, they're a good program. Uh, you know, they obviously practiced this morning at our arena. We're ready to go. They're, uh, as I said, they're quick, they're big, they're strong. Uh, and then uh, we'll have Thanksgiving Day off and Friday morning practice and head out to New York Madison Square Garden for a game against Cornell. And that's always good. They've been playing a lot more games over the last, uh, I think, what has it been, about five to seven years at, at MSG there. Uh, what's that like when you, you bring your team in there? How excited are they to go on a big stage like MSG? Well, we haven't been there. You know, we've been to the Boston Garden, but we haven't been there. So uh, not only are the players, but the coaches, uh, we've, none of us have uh, uh, played there. And uh, everybody's excited to, to head after Thanksgiving with our families, uh, head out there Friday morning to New York, and uh, look forward to playing at Madison Square Garden. Have you ever uh, been down there for a game growing up, or you never went on? No, I've yes. never been inside MSG, so it's going to be wow. be exciting. Yeah, interesting. I've been, uh, I've been to uh, Times Square, but never uh, Madison Square Garden. Not for uh, you know a concert or game or anything. So how about I'm, I'm the excited. old like in turn? I mean, it's obviously been renovated a lot since. But in terms of the original six arenas, uh, how many did you make it to growing up as a kid? Uh, Toronto, well, obviously Boston, Toronto, Montreal, uh, never been to, uh, I have been to Detroit. I take that back. We played there, uh, Detroit. Uh, so who am I missing? Did you get to Chicago uh, stadium? Excuse me. Did you go to Chicago stadium ever? Uh, no, you know what? I've not been there and yeah. I, I, we should, I should have been there with, uh, Trevor Van Reems, like, uh, playing there, but. Uh, I have not been to Chicago. Yeah, I heard that's quite a see. Obviously, the national anthem's great there. That's exciting yeah, that's stuff. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. Hey, quickly, before we let you go, Coach, uh, we got Bob Snow on next, and him and I are going to be continuing a conversation on the use of uh, full face masks in college hockey and uh, you know whether or not it should be reconsidered to, to remove it and go to half shields. What's your take on that and why? Well, you know, I, I'm a proponent of the half shield. I mean, it's uh, I think the half shield can protect uh, the majority, you obviously have to go uh, with mouthpieces. It's not mandatory that we wear mouthpieces. It's going to be hard for them to change from a full mask to a half a shield. Uh, you just don't have the uh, the injuries that you have to the face nowadays uh, with the full mask that mm-hmm. we used to have. So um, I, I would imagine that the, the medical world doctors are going to be reluctant to uh, have kids uh, missing uh, teeth and uh, more injuries uh, to the face. Of course, one of the arguments, Coach, uh, for for bringing in the half shield as opposed to the full mask and is to get these kids ready for the next level in pro hockey where they're not going to be wearing that full mask. And one of the things we see, and you get a lot of uh, criticism sometimes from players that come from different backgrounds, say junior hockey in Canada, is that you know when college kids come into the NHL, um, the full mask has given them that sense of inevi- uh, invincibility for not only themselves – but also for the play, other players on the ice, and the sticks will be up high, and it leads to high sticking infractions. Do you agree with that? And do, is there a way to kind of change that mindset as kids get closer to the pros? My opinion is you just make a rule: there's no high sticking, and you enforce it. So that <laughs> you, then you solve the problem. The there we rule, go. We we make rules to to not uh, you know to to, to uh, hold uh, people accountable. So that always bothers me. But uh, you know. Yeah. Just make the rule, enforce it, and we don't have the problem. Exactly. Now, more and more pros are going to shields. I mean, they weren't even wearing them. Now they're wearing them. Oh, yeah. They don't want to lose their teeth. They don't want their, their eyes, their, their nose or their eyes. So uh, as much as I like a half shield, I think it's going to be hard to, to push it. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Well, listen, Coach, I appreciate you coming on. As always, good luck tonight, and enjoy New York City, and uh, best of luck on the MSG ice. Okay, happy Thanksgiving. Appreciate it. You too, my friend. That's head coach Dickie Millie joining us here on the Stretch Run. And uh, we're going to have to uh, talk to Bob. And, and, and that was a great, 
I like his answers I'm, here. I'm all on board with it. Yeah. Get rid of those stupid cages. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm done with that. I, I wonder, too, if he did a poll with the kids, too. Yeah. What, what be, the results would be. I bet they would all say they'd rather have Shield because the whole point of, you know, the, the whole point is to be able to make it close to the NHL game. You want it as, as close to that as possible. Obviously, right. there's no fighting. There's, you know, you see big hits in college, yeah. but th- there's little things that obviously aren't the same. But having these full shields, like, what is it? I, really, I what's love the point? his answer, though. I hate that. Yeah, <laughs> just enforce the rule. I mean, I, mean I, I love that, too, you know, enforce the rules. You I can, wonder what Paul Stewart would say I about would say, that. You can, tell he, you can tell he loves the refs. You know? <laughs> he loves his refs there. That was a great answer by the coach. Well, we like I said, we're going to have Bob Snow on uh, next segment, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, they have been doing – Cornell has been hosting a lot of games, Sully, uh, on Thanksgiving weekend at MSG. That's awesome. Um, trying to think who it was last year. It was a big one last year because they had some uh, – it might have been a couple of years ago. No, it was when Eichel. Yeah, it was uh, when, Eichel was, there, when yeah. Eichel was playing for BU. So two years ago, yeah. uh, I remember Eichel being on the stage there at MSG, That's and it awesome. was a, it was a really cool thing. Obviously, they play the Hockey East tournament at the, at the Garden, but a lot of – by that time, a lot of guys have already played there, you know. So yeah. MSG, MSG is a whole other animal. That's a whole, yeah, that's a whole it is. Piece, it know? is for sure. And it's, it, actually, I haven't been down. I haven't covered a game in MSG since they renovated it a few years back. Yeah. I hear it's beautiful, and they're still able to keep the intimacy of the old MSG. And it's one of the few places, I don't know of another one, um, where the press box is – well, there's a press box way up, up yes. top. But there's also a section of the press box – midway up through the stands so you are engulfed with fans, with fans around you yeah. you're, you're in you're in that's the midst cool. of the fans in the stands and yeah, it, yeah it's awesome that's it's a real cool, cool environment so you know they hold you accountable for <laughs> <Of> sure <course. laughs> um but good stuff there from uh coach dickie millie of unh does a great job joining us every tuesday at 320 ish and uh you know what I, I would have to say i mean I don't know. The coach is always going to want improvement, but heading into the season, I I, I think they have to be pretty happy with the oh, way yeah. things are going lately. Having a having a young team like that to be playing the way they are, I mean, that's that's all positive. There's yeah. there's no negative from that. And and it's not like they. I mean, really, you look at their schedule right now. Uh, they've only been blown out twice. They they lost six two to uh, number fifteen St. Lawrence. And they lost 5-1 to Bentley. That was the second and third game in the season. Yeah. Um, but they've done really well in Hockey East play thus far. They beat UMass twice. Once 4-1 on October 28th out in Amherst. They uh, have beaten Merrimack and tied Merrimack. And they lost to BC. So that's not bad. When you're, when you're a young team like that, if not just for this year... But for the years going forward, that's positive. It's, yeah. It can only be positive. And UNH is known for having a couple, you know, they have a lot of good seniors, and Tyler Keller is having an amazing amazing year. So to mm-hmm. have a mixture of that, that's awesome. They're going to uh, they're gonna face uh, UMaine. They've got a set coming up against them in the first weekend of December, one at the Whittemore Center and one up at Alphonse. So that will be a big one for them as well. That's always a rivalry uh, to take care of. And then they play them again. I'm going to have to ask them why, because I, I thought they only played the conference teams twice. Yeah. They play UMaine again on December 30th. I wonder if it's at one of those SNHU Arena. It might be a holiday tournament. It's eh? probably a holiday tournament. It's probably one of those uh, like the musket for the football side. It's probably something yeah, similar to that. Yeah, that's gonna be it right there. So uh, we will ask Coach that next week when we have him on. But up next is Bob Snow, longtime college hockey writer for NHL.com. He'll join us and discuss that face mask. Um, you know, should we do it? I, I think they should get rid of it. And, but we'll discuss probably why they can't. They're not going to. Not, not, not my lifetime, at least. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what Bob says with that. And we'll bounce around the world of college hockey. So stay with us here on the Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire. The Stretch Run with Jimmy Murphy. Weekdays from 3 to 6 right here on ESPN New Hampshire.
As you take to the roadways this Thanksgiving, take the three C's, caution, courtesy, and common sense. It could save a child's life in a lifetime of regret. Look to the Crawford family at Kevin's Towing for your towing needs. Family owned since 1947. They're a fourth generation business. For full service towing, call 603-898-9110. 603-898-9110. That's Crawford and family and staff at Kevin's Towing, wishing everyone the best. How would you like your office to be located in the heart of downtown Manchester? The former Ted Hebert's building at 922 Elm Street is ready to house your business. With over 28,000 square feet available, the time is right for your business to maximize this rare opportunity. Again, there is now office space available at 922 Elm Street, the old Ted Hebert's building, but it won't last long. Contact Tom Finney at 603-647-6800 or visit loopnet.com. Which is worse, a trip to the hospital or the fees and bills that come with it? At the Bedford Ambulatory Surgical Center, they provide a comfortable and friendly environment while offering high-quality imaging for open MRI and low-dose CAT scans and ultrasounds, all at an affordable price. Their modern technology allows for accurate diagnosis while ensuring complete patient comfort and safety. For more information or to set up an appointment, please call 603-622-3670 or visit bedfordsurgical.com or baskimaging.com. Have you suffered a motor vehicle injury and need professional assistance? Do you need a team that gets you back on track and taking the green? That team for you is Bardis Law. Bardis Law has three attorneys and two paralegals that can assist you if you've been injured in an accident. Athletes get injured on the field and on the track all the time. Routine injuries can be expected in sports. Accidents are not anticipated in everyday activities. If you get injured in a motor vehicle accident, call Bardis Law at 603-420-8588 or visit www.bardislaw.com. Here's what you missed last week on the Fantasy Champion Show, presented by North End Subaru and Mazda. Tristan Cockcroft of ESPN.com is our guest. At quarterback, for example, he's got the Browns giving up a whole lot of fantasy points lately, but they're actually not the top matchup for quarterbacks because if you take the strength of, of opponent, it kind of brings it back down to a top 10 matchup, but not, not the top one. So it's another one of your mathematical schemes, basically. Pretty much, yeah. Get your football Sunday started the right way with the Fantasy Champion Show, Sundays at 10, only here on ESPN New Hampshire Radio. Game plans. That's how you handle tough opponents. So, when you're up against cold weather, make sure your game plan starts with a dependable, proven, tough Duralast battery. That's why AutoZone is the only place that carries a full range of Duralast batteries. They're designed to deliver more power during startup and stand up to even the harshest conditions and temperatures of 40 below zero. Cold weather's coming, so out-tough the temperatures with a Duralast battery. Proven tough and available only at AutoZone. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Talking boxing with Billy C. Every Saturday morning from 4 to 6. Here's my thoughts to WBC, who likes to parade around and act like they are the sport of boxing. They like to, to promote their belt as the belt to have. And for the most part, a lot of fighters follow that thought process. I think Canelo Alvarez would be in a position to really put some egg on the face of the WBC. On the home for boxing fans, ESPN New Hampshire. We've got it all here on ESPN New Hampshire. And welcome back to the Stretch Run here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy. And as we do every Tuesday at this time, we welcome on longtime college hockey writer, Bob Snow. Mr. Snow, happy Thanksgiving early. How are you doing? Mr. Murphy, two days before Turkey Day, and we're going to talk a little, gobble up a little, little conversation here about, I think, the half shield, huh? Yes, we are. But before we get to that, have you driven a Zamboni again lately? You know, every time we've been doing the show, I don't know, Murph, we've done everything from North America to South America, I think, on this show, and I've yet to have a chance to drive the Zamboni. No. Every time I look down to see the guest rider on the Zamboni, 
I'm waiting for my invitation from James Murphy to get a free ride on the Zimbabwe. That's happening. <laughs> Do you remember one time, I think we were on the air, Bob, and a story came across the wire that a, a guy had um, – been arrested <laughs> drinking and driving the Zamboni and pulling up to the delivery. I mean, the uh, drive-through at McDonald's. <laughs> you know what was even better about that scene? Reference: He was wearing a full face shield. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, buddy. Hey, listen, we just had uh, we had uh, Coach Dickie Millie on as we do every week before you, and um, we asked him about this, and he said, you know, he would love to see it go to the uh, the half shield and. He doesn't think it will happen, though, while he's around, and we both agreed on that as well. Um, but uh, ironically, I did ask him, I, I said, you know, what do you think about the uh, you know, the players that come from juniors or other leagues other than college hockey when they, they get upset at the college hockey players coming in and thinking they're invincible and having to stick up high all the time and it leading to injuries? And he said, well, that's simple. Maybe the refs should just enforce the rules in place. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. He didn't waste yeah. time saying that. And he's got a point, yeah. but I still think there's a mindset there, Bob. And we went over this last week that, you know, these kids get up there and then they're not used to it. They're not used to the fact that, you know what, those masks aren't there and you do have to be mindful of where your stick is. Well, you know, Murph, I, I, again, I try to spend a little time to make sure I've got some pretty good factual kind of stuff here when we talk about this. And I, I think that's a good starting point. Well, go to Dick Humilly's comment. I don't think we're going to see any move away from the full cage, probably in our lifetimes. That'll probably be my, my summary point. I think I kind of did some homework on that, too. But the, the, the high-sticking concept of just calling more penalties is one thing. But the fact remains, you know, I have two great quotes here. One is from Blake Wheeler. I kind of pulled this one. I did a lot of homework on this about four years ago. Blake Wheeler... Uh, kind of looked at it from this way. He says, you come out of, when you're coming out of school, players coming out of college, they tend to be much more careless with the stick. And, you know, he himself made the move from the full head shield, full face mask, whatever you want to call it, to the, um, to the half shield. And he basically said that, you know, I, 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 wore, the, I wore no half shield when I started playing coming out of Minnesota. Until I took a puck in the face, and that got me quickly to adjust to the half shield. So there was no doubt about that. And I did a little, little thinking about Brian Barad. Help me out with this, Murph. You'll know more about this than I do. But I think some of the thinking about going to the half shield had something to do with the kinds of injuries that Brian Barad had. Of course, he had that serious eye injury coming out of uh, he came out of high mm-hmm. school, I think, right into the pros. Help me out. Yeah, he came out of uh, Mount St. Charles. Yeah. Yep. yep, and then, of course, he had that devastating injury, and that immediately, I think, got GM thinking, look, we're paying these guys a ton of money, and even more now, they need to be able to go to a, a, some kind of a shield, at least to protect the eyes. You can always replace teeth. It's time to replace eyes. Yeah, yeah, it's true. You know, and, you know, and then the other piece of this comes down to the integrity of the game, and, you know, Don Moore had a good point. He said, you see a lot of face laceration." Um, you know, at the pro level, he said, my first year in the pro, I had more stitches and stuff because I was so used to having my face right down in the pile. And I thought the other end of that was, I remember a guy named uh, Matt Smady used to play for uh, North Dakota. You know, he said, it's always a very dirty hockey in terms of elbows and sticks because of the face mask. He said, the majority of these guys are student athletes, first more student than athletes. But he said, I've played, I've played enough to see, to see enough of that coming to an end, especially in terms of going to the pros mean the integrity of the game. The game is played at a better level of integrity at the pro level than it is at the college level. I think that's an important point to make about this this full face versus half shield routine. Yeah, no, I I think that is. But, I mean, obviously our college hockey crowd isn't going to like us saying that. But I I think it's the truth. Um, You know, and it goes – it could go to the bigger scale there, Bob. You know, we're seeing fighting – being taken out of the league at the pro level right now. We're seeing it phased out tremendously every year. Um, and, and I think one of the things you're seeing there is, well, maybe there's less accountability without fighting. And I, I think you could relate that to with the mask, there's less accountability there. because the, Yeah, there is. You know, you know? Al Gill, uh, we all know how Gill played at Providence, played for the Bruins, Montreal, and you know, a ton of other NHL teams in Cribbage. He gave me a great quote. So that, again, all of this uh, history is only four years old. I got all this stuff back in 2012, I think it was. He said, I've seen a lot of guys who are too aggressive with the full face shield, and it causes a lot of injuries. 
Unfortunately, it's not the little injuries. You'd rather have a bump on the nose or a cut on the cheek than a neck injury. Uh, they get a little more comfortable with the full mask than they should be. I thought that was a really profound quote by a guy who obviously didn't have to worry too, too much about it because I think he was, what, 6'6 six, six or 6'7. Six, uh, <laughs> but at the other end of the day, he was a pretty bright guy about about the concept of how the game is played at the collegiate level. Yeah, for sure. Bob, But like we both said and, and Coach said there as well, we don't see this changing anytime soon. Um, no. What, what would it take for it to change sooner than, than we expect? Well, you know, I think we should probably take that question from the other end of it probably not happening and then take a look at maybe how it can, how it can be maybe legislated down the road. Um, Jeff Halpern, smart guy out of Princeton again, played for several NHL teams. He said during the ebb and flow of a college game, he doesn't think that they would have the medical staff to stitch guys up, you know, in the flow of a game. And as we know at the NHL level, send, send, NHL level, send them back out there for the first or second or third period after having their face cut up. And I thought that um, I thought that that uh, Mark Stewart had a great line. He said. And I think this is the key. I kind of think this is what we have to hang our hats on. He says, I always thought it was a big insurance issue with the schools. If they go to a half shield, there'll have to be some kind of insurance issue, some kind of an agreement or whatever. But I can't see them taking, and if we follow this through logically, I can't see them taking away the full face mask, going to a half shield, then not being hit with, with all kinds of lawsuits because they, if you will, they took away added protection to the face. I think that's a really good point that Mark Stewart makes about, at the end of the day, uh, schools don't want to be held liable for injuries, even though, as we all know, a serious neck injury or a potential paralysis injury is significantly worse than losing three teeth. But, you know, the teeth show immediately, five minutes after it happens. Yeah. Unfortunately, the neck, in- the neck injury doesn't show five minutes later. It shows five hours later or five days later or five years later. Mm-hmm. And as, as kind of kind of crazy as that sounds, I think that probably makes the most sense. It comes down to liability and insurance, and they're going to play the game a little more recklessly at the college level than they do at the pro or the, even the, uh, the junior level because of potential liability. Yeah, that's, uh, that's probably exactly it. That's a great point there. Um, and it is kind of contradictory, though, as you point out there. It's interesting stuff. Hey, Bob, uh, we look around college hockey right now, and, you know, in the NHL, they they always say American Thanksgiving is sort of the uh, telltale point of who the pretenders are yeah. and who the real contenders are. When do you get to that point in college hockey? Uh, you know, so let me go back a half a sentence on that one too. I have to I have to plug that into a storyline over the uh, Bruins win over Winnipeg the other night. In fact, the Bruins are coming into Thanksgiving week, um, and I think it's something like you will help me out. Seventy percent of NHL teams that are not in the playoffs at Thanksgiving are not in the playoffs come early April. So. Uh, that, this is a huge week. This is a huge week at the pro level. Uh, it's not a huge week at the NCAA level. I don't think the NCAA level hits Thanksgiving routines until um, the middle of January into the middle of February when they play most of their, most of their league uh, games are being played in the jockeying position, mostly for home ice in the league playoffs. So the second answer to that question, Murph, is that it really doesn't happen. Thanksgiving doesn't come at the college level until the league tournament in early March, and that, of course, determines who goes on to the NCAA. So when, when you position yourself in your league into mid, mid-February, mid-January, mid-February is, is Thanksgiving week, and then how you play um, in the league playoffs come early March because that determines who then goes to the NCAA tournament. For sure. And then uh, finally, Bobby, uh, before we let you go here, um, you know, I, I don't know if you got to meet him when he was he was part of the Bruins organization. He was a, a prospect and. Uh, he's in the Arizona organization now. I'm sure you heard the news about uh, Craig Cunningham. Just what, what a frightful, I mean, horrible thing to see a, a player so young collapse, and he's in critical condition, stable condition, but still critical. Uh, for the He's a player for the Tucson Roadrunners right now, the minor league team for the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, just your thoughts on that. Yeah, I know. You know, Murph, I don't think we, I don't think we ever go through a season without hearing about that happening at, at, at any of the, I think the football, basketball, hockey, I don't think we hear about it in baseball so much, but I don't think we are able to get through a season without hearing about that. And You know, it goes back to we don't know what's inside the body ticking and timing and going away for 15 or 20 years until something crazy like this happens. And 
you know, our first reaction obviously is uh, this has nothing to do with careers and futures of how many goals you're going to score. This has to do with, you know, just just making it through the medical the medical industry to make sure that you somehow recover from this without any major major issues down the road. Yeah, and then finally, uh, you know, another somber note, but you know, we remember 53 years ago today was uh, JFK's assassination, and I know. For people of your generation, you know, you never forget where we, where you were. Where were you then? You know, Murph, I, and we don't we don't rehearse this show. I can't believe you asked me that question. I was out doing my five mile you know walk today, and I was thinking, fifty three years ago today, I was a ninth grade student at Lincoln Junior High School in Malden, Massachusetts. The school was dismissed at two o'clock. Went to the little boys' room to do my thing, and someone said the president was just shot, and I said, "What?" And I remember, as only those of us who were literally alive then remember, that the country shut down. We literally shut the country down for the next four or five days. And the level of somberness in that event, I have yet to see, including 9-11, with all due respect, I have yet to see the level of somberness in the American society that I saw those four or five days from November 22 to 26 in 1963. Yeah. It's, yeah, I know. I mean, I obviously wasn't around then, but I, 9-11, I guess, would be my equivalent to it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, yeah, it, you know, I, I said to Sully coming into the show today, it's it's kind of ironic, uh, this one coming up after the election we've had and everything, and everything that's just going on in our world right now. And, um, you know, to be thinking back to a, uh, a president like that versus... The choices we have nowadays is just kind of tough to swallow. You know, Murph, I, I'll tell you my other, that's etched in my, in my soul until I passed, is that I remember watching JFK when I was 12 years old, watching the 19-inch uh, grainy black and white TV with the rabbit ears on top, talking <laughs> down to Keita Khrushchev, talking down to Keita Khrushchev and telling him to get the blanks out of Cuba, otherwise we get some major problems, and I'll tell you that, when I was 12, is still with me, still raises the hairs on my on my arms about the experience of that stuff. So we think it's tough today. I'll tell you, you know, um, it, it, was, it was pretty nasty stuff back then. So yeah. I, I kind of look at things with a little bit more of a historical perspective. Good, good. That should be a way a lot of people look at it. Well, listen, hey, Bob, always a pleasure, my friend. That's why we have you on. We can intertwine life and sports. And uh, you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, be safe. And are you headed to Florida? I am heading, believe it or not, Murph, next week I will be live from Calgary. I'm heading out to Calgary to see oh. my favorite son and the kids and hang out at the uh, rink and talk to some of the Calgary guys and uh, see the hitman, the coach, and a, uh, a junior game, which I like to see once a year. So we'll be live from Calgary next week. Good. Find out where Dougie Hamilton's going for us, all right? He's, do- he's doing okay, Murph. He's doing yeah, okay. Yeah. And- yeah. <laughs> all right. We'll talk about that. <laughs> Have a good one, Bob. Let's do it. All right, sounds good. That's Bob Snow, longtime college hockey writer, joining us here on the stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. We're going to switch gears and talk some Patriots football with Phil A. Perry of Comcast Sportsnet New England. So stay with us. We'll be back. On this speechless, sinking trip.